This week on Myths and Legends, we're continuing the story of the Monkey King, where we learn that even immortal super monkeys have annual performance reviews, and monkeys not looking good because of all the murder, and that human buns are not what you think they are. The creature this week is a business fish who will either hug you, drain your bank account, or drag your neighborhood into the sea. This is Myths and Legends, episode 253, Severance. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins, and others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. This week, we're back in the story of the journey to the West. This is very episodic, so surprisingly, you don't need to have heard the previous episodes to jump in here. Basically, in medieval China, a monk, Xuanzang, was recruited by the Tang Emperor to journey to a temple in the West to retrieve scriptures that would redeem humans from death. Their true purpose doesn't really matter, it's just sort of a magical MacGuffin to give them a reason to travel across the world. Anyway, Xuanzang, being a fairly non-violent monk, needed some help on this dangerous path. Enter his four companions. The first was Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, Banished by the heavens for almost destroying the heavens after the heavens turned up their nose at him, he spent 800 years in prison under a mountain before opting to join Xuanzang on his journey. He can fly, shapeshift, and has a super strong staff that can change size and density at will. And everyone who joins Xuanzang has basically the same backstory. They were all celestial beings who messed up in their past and were cast to earth. And they all spent some time as monsters before being offered a shot at redemption. Next up, they met a dragon who took the form of their horse, Yulong, and who has stayed in the form of a horse so far. Third was Pigsy, a rake-wielding pigman with many insatiable appetites. And the fourth and final one was Sandy, a 12-foot-tall, dour sand monster man. They've been on many adventures so far, but they now find themselves once again on a desolate mountain, once again searching for food. Everyone, everyone, be cool, Pigsy declared, rushing back along the road. He ran his hooves through his greasy hair, straightened out his stained shirt, and cocked his eyebrow in a self-assured swagger. Yeah, still got it. Uh, what's going on? Sandy, the giant sand monster in the form of a human, asked. Oh my gosh, Sandy, Pigsy said, looking at the dour creature over. Would it hurt him to smile once in his life? Pigsy took Sandy's collar in his hooves and popped it. It collapsed back to where it was because it was made out of sand. I'm not doing that. I look fine, Sandy said, shifting his sand self back a foot or two, away from Pigsy's hooves, as they were starting to style his non-existent hair. Pigsy rolled his eyes. He turned to muss up Xuanzang's hair, but Xuanzang was a monk and kept his head shaved. He looked his master over as... Good enough for a wingman. Didn't want him upstaging the main attraction anyway. Sun Wukong was off finding food, so he couldn't mess this up. Pigsy, what are you talking about? Xuanzang demanded of his bodyguard. When it became apparent. Hi, are you monks? The trio heard. The three spun around to see her. A woman smiled as she held out a dish steaming with rice inside. 
Pigsy sauntered on over. Oh, yes, they were. He took her hand and kissed it. She blushed and giggled. Pigsy also blushed and giggled. Xuanzang, standing behind the pair, was feeling a lot of powerful feelings. And Sandy floated forward, extending his hand. Pigsy shook his head. Just what everyone loved, the soft, sensual touch of sandpaper. Sandy, please, you're embarrassing yourself. Pigsy turned back to the woman. Now, where were we? Oh, that's right. She was about to accept Pigsy's proposal for marriage. <laughs> they both laughed playfully. Ah, he was just kidding. Or was he? Maybe. Maybe not. That's the fun. The young woman, winking at Pigsy's eyebrow waggle, said that she came from a powerful, rich family here on this mountain, and she had dedicated herself to doing whatever she could for the monks who passed this way. Pigsy grinned. Oh. She asked which one of them was in charge. Pigsy sneered. Oh. Well, there went his chances. He pointed back to the Tang monk, Xuanzang. That was the big man himself. Started all of them on this journey. Of heroic self-sacrifice, by the way. She immediately zeroed in on Xuanzang. Oh. She pushed past Pigsy, who was asking if she had a sister, friend, mom, grandma. Really, he'd recently prepared to marry like four women at once. He had zero reservations when it came to fulfilling his unbridled lust. The woman paid him no heed, though, and approached the Tang monk, bowing low. Her eyes rose to meet those of the legendary monk, and his hand reached out to take the dish, hoping to maybe touch hers in the process. Xuanzang didn't really know what he was feeling right now, but he liked it. Monkey knew, though. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, landed behind the woman on the road, who seemed to ignore the super-powered monkey. She was instead fixated on Xuanzang's hand, as he reached closer and closer toward the rice dish. What's all this? Monkey said. I leave for ten minutes and you let a monster approach master? Monkey barked at Pigsy. Pigsy sneered. She wasn't a monster. She was a beautiful woman traveling the road alone, offering food to monks. Yeah, no, that's not suspicious at all. Monkey rolled his eyes. He and Pigsy would talk about this later. Uh, so, master, he turned back to Swansong. I wasn't able to find the peaches I was hoping for, but... If you want, I'm a pretty solid carpenter. I can build you a nice little hut here so you and what's-her-name can have some privacy to consummate this whole thing that you have going on right now. You know, where Pigsy can't see it. I mean, don't let me stop you. If you can sign off on us, like, completing what we came here to do, that would be way easier than all of us going to get the scriptures from the West. Xuanzang, the Tang monk, grew bright red and withdrew his hand. Monkey allowed himself a small grin. That worked. The woman's eyes filled with sadness. Monkey shook his head. All right, we're done here. His magical rod grew in his hand, and before anyone could react, Monkey brought his staff down on the back of the woman's skull. She collapsed, and she did not get back up. Monkey, what have you done? Xuanzang spat, his face red not with shame, but with rage now. Oh, you know, that's a weird way to say thank you, but you're welcome. Sun Wukong laughed. Pigsy had to look away. From the body, yes, but also from all that rice that had crashed down in the dirt of the road. Sandy shook his head. Surprise attacking a young woman unprovoked? They were the good guys here. That wasn't good guy behavior. She's not a human woman. She's, it's a monster. Guys, when I went through my monster phase, and we all went through one, and I wanted to eat human flesh, I would turn into all sorts of stuff to lure people into a false sense of security. 
beautiful women, harmless inebriated people asleep on the streets, buildings. I would steam humans, boil them. It was delicious. But yeah, any second now, that monster will revert to its true form in death. You'll all see how right I am. They stood there. Yep. Any minute now. Fangs, hairy bits. It'll be so scary you'll be glad I was here, Sun Wukong said, looking at the woman. Yep, it's any minute. But the corpse of a human woman remained the corpse of a human woman. Uh-oh, the Monkey King said. Shaking with rage, Xuanzang looked up at the Monkey King. What had he done? Just then, Monkey turned an ear to the sky. Did, wait, did Xuanzang hear that? Xuanzang shook his head. No more jokes, no more distractions. He had commanded Sun Wukong to stop killing. He murdered this woman in cold blood. Monkey shook his head. No, she was a monster. There was something else going on here. Xuanzang held up his hand. No, he closed his eyes and started to utter the words. The words that compressed Sun Wukong's skull. Real quickly, Sun Wukong is very unruly, or was, and the heavens gave Xuanzang a special crown that he can tighten at will that basically tortures Sun Wukong. Anyway, the crown tightened, and Monkey collapsed, writhing in agony. Hey, boss, Pigsy said, tapping Xuanzang on the shoulder. Xuanzang said that he was busy torturing Monkey for murder. What's the problem? Pigsy said that the woman's rice was all rotten, maggoty. Xuanzang stopped the spell that he used to keep control of Sun Wukong. Pigsy, whose face was covered in dirt, said that, yeah, he absolutely observed these things with his eyes and not taste. Then he looked down and spotted a grain of rice on his lower lip, stuck out his tongue, and ate it. Xuanzang looked to the rice. Pigsy was right. It was rotten, teeming with maggots, mold. Frogs? Monkey rose, rubbing his head. See? Who gives monks their sworn to serve maggots and moldy rice? Something's up here. Or maybe you changed the rice whenever you saw she wasn't going to turn into a monster to sow doubt and make it so Master would stop punishing you, Pigsy said. Very mad about the rice and marginally upset about the murder. Monkey said that, okay, that was actually a good idea, but he wouldn't do that. That was old Monkey. New and improved redemption arc Monkey was trying to be better. He was convinced that she was a monster. Xuanzang's stomach growled loud enough for everyone to hear it. He shot Monkey a sideways glance and then climbed atop Yulong, the dragon horse that's always in the form of a horse. They would continue this conversation, but they couldn't do so if they were starving. They needed food. He paused. Monkey was forgiven. If he resorted to such violence again, though, the monk would recite the spell that tightened his head 20 times. They continued on down the road. Has anyone seen my daughter? My sweet girl. She went out to feed some monks and... That was all the elderly woman, walking along the road, was able to say before Monkey's staff came down hard on her head as well. Monkey listened and nodded while Pigsy and Xuanzang stood in horror. Sandy looked around. They were the good guys, right? Sun Wukong, what are you doing? Xuanzang demanded. Monkey smiled, pointing to the body. It wasn't going to change this time. He looked to the air. I know what you're doing. He pointed with a smile. 
That smile twisted to a scream when Xuanzang made good on his promise to utter the spell again. Twenty times. So many times that, at the end of it, Monkey's head was an hourglass shape. On the ground, twitching, writhing in pain, Monkey's shaking finger pointed to the woman. She's in her 80s, maybe older, he uttered. And you murdered her, Pixie shouted. She could have led them to rice. Oh, and also it's bad, and yeah, all that. What's your point, Monkey? Xuanzang said. Monkey rubbed his head as it took its natural form again. How old was that young woman? Couldn't have been much older than 18. How many women in their 80s in the mountain wilderness in the Middle Ages have 18-year-old daughters? Xuanzang said that it didn't matter. They were on a peaceful journey and should only act in self-defense against monsters and demons. A person running up to you in the street asking about their kid doesn't require self-defense. Monkey shook his head, catapulting into the air. He would be back. He needed to see to something first. I think it's using the spell releasing the corpse, Sun Wukong said to the mountain spirit, up in its heavenly abode. Sorry to bug you, by the way, Monkey said. The spirit that ruled over the mountains shook their head. No worries, they've been after this monster for a while. It was a tricky one, and yep, there it is. The spirit conjured up an image of the first attack with the young woman. At the moment of the young woman's death, the monster changed its form and dropped a corpse. Then she fled into the sky. She also floats up there, laughing at you, the mountain spirit observed. Monkey nodded. Yeah, thanks for that. All right, uh, so we know what's going to happen next time. The mountain spirit nodded. Absolutely, but uh, one more thing. He pointed down to the mountains, to the clapping and smiling Xuanzang, and the old man reciting sutras on the top of his horse. It's back. It's that old man right there. And Also, your companions are really bad at this, the mountain spirit noted. But Monkey was already gone. Monkey, Xuanzang warned, as Monkey touched down next to the man on the horse. Monkey, what are you doing? I'm just talking. I just want to talk with him, Sun Wukong said. His staff was already in his hand, but it was the size of a needle. The elderly man atop his horse grinned. Hey there, friend. Monkey nodded. Hello. He was the bodyguard of this monk here, and he was stopping travelers who passed. Who was this elderly man, and what was he doing on the road? The man, still smiling, said, Monk! He and his wife and daughter fed the monks. That was the duty of their family for generations. He had just set out because his wife and daughter hadn't returned yet. Had the monks seen them on the road this morning? They would be as excited as he was to talk to monks. Yeah, likely story, Monkey said. And with his three companions screaming no in the background, his staff grew and he hit the man in the back of the head. The elderly man ragdolled off the horse and Monkey grinned, looking to the sky. Oh no, I've killed again. Just then, a peal of thunder shook the sky and a sound like an otherworldly scream shook the heavens. Monkey grinned. Got her. He looked to the still horrified traveling companions. Oh, he didn't actually kill again. He, he was gloating. Ah! A Xuanzang recited the spell. Monkey writhed on the ground, dragging himself closer and closer to the corpse. He wrenched away the robes and revealed not a body, but bones. Xuanzang stopped as Monkey pointed to the writing carved into the spine. It said, 
Lady Whitebone. See? It, she was a monster. Also, it was weird that it was bones and not a corpse, right? That had to count for something. Pigsy held up a hoof and pointed it at Monkey. Lies. All lies. Monkey furrowed his brow. What was Pigsy going on about? Pigsy pointed to the body. Monkey did this, just like he turned the rice rotten. He murdered three people today. He killed an entire family. Quiet, Pigsy, you're out of your depth, Monkey said. But Xuanzang held up a hand to silence both of them. He said he didn't know who to believe here, and that's a problem. Monkey's explanations sounded decent, but Monkey was a monster before Xuanzang recruited him. He had lied, deceived, killed, and that was far easier for him than telling the truth. How did Xuanzang know that, once they made it to a bigger city, Monkey wouldn't see monsters everywhere and start attacking people with that staff of his? He didn't know. Monkey couldn't believe what he was hearing. He said he had changed. That's why he was doing this. No, you're not doing this. Not anymore, Xuanzang replied. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, was dismissed from his service. Monkey shook his head. His master didn't mean that. Come on, he was just hungry. They go find something to eat and everything will be a little clearer. The decision is final, Monkey, Xuanzang replied, shaking his head. Monkey held back tears and pointed to his head, to the headband that tightened when the monk said the spell. If he was finished, take this thing off. He wouldn't keep it on if Xuanzang refused to be his master. Xuanzang grimaced. He had only been taught the spell to tighten it, not loosen. Monkey shook his head, unbelievable. Well, when heaven came for him, he needed some proof that he didn't abandon his quest. Xuanzang obliged and gave Monkey a letter written in his own hand, releasing him. Please, let me bow to you so I can leave in peace, Monkey said. But Xuanzang turned, refusing to accept the bow of an evil man. Monkey pulled three hairs from his side. Oh no, his master didn't reject his politeness. He blew on the hairs, and they took the form of three monkey kings, who went to the three other sides of Xuanzang. The first bowed, and the monk gasped and turned. He only made it about three turns before the fourth monkey king caught him and was able to bow politely to his master to leave. He called a cloud and stepped aboard. He didn't look back, but he said the road ahead was dangerous. If his, ma if his former master wanted to, he could say that Sun Wukong was his disciple. The monsters might not harm him then. I'm a good priest, Xuanzang replied. I would never invoke the name of an evil creature like you. Monkey looked to the ground. Fine. Die then. The cloud floated off into the sky until the trio on the ground couldn't see Monkey. Monkey, free from underneath the mountain, free from his journey to the west and all the responsibility to the monk, was going home. how much better off Monkey is without the group, and how much worse off the group is under the Pigsy administration, but that will be right after this.
After a solid 10-minute ugly cry up in the clouds, he spotted his home, the place he had ruled before heaven had imprisoned him, the Flower Fruit Mountain, or what was left of it. He remembered the war. This was one of the first places that the heavens hit before Monkey took the fight to them. It had been charred, but that was 800 years ago. Why was it still a burned-out husk? Monkey's cloud came to a rest and evaporated. Then, Sun Wukong heard whispers. Could it be him? Did he return? Sun Wukong scanned the wasteland. Wait. His people. I have returned, Sun Wukong said. And from behind rocks and gnarled, burned trees, little monkeys poured out. He asked what happened to this place. The monkeys only smiled for a moment at his return before glancing on the horizon. Heaven happened. Monkey plucked the staff from behind his ear. Heaven destroyed his home, massacred his people. There were 47,000 monkeys when he ruled here in his time. How many were there now? The monkeys said less than a thousand, and they couldn't live in the open. They had to keep to the caves, but it wasn't Heaven that did this. It was the hunters. When the Monkey King was imprisoned, the other monkeys weren't so much punished as forgotten. Heaven was repairing from Sun Wukong's assault, and even the greatest monkey on the island couldn't match Sun Wukong. They struggled to defend themselves against the monsters and the dragons of the world. Then, the hunters came. They were humans, and they hunted the monkeys on the island for sport. They had been doing so for generations, and they had done more damage than Heaven ever could. It was because of them that the monkeys lived like fugitives in their own home. How often do these hunters come? Sun Wukong asked. The monkeys replied that they came by every day. Monkey nodded. Well, this was where he got to make things right then. He turned to the little ones. Go to the caves. Tell your generals or whoever's in charge that Sun Wukong has returned. And also they're not in charge anymore. Sun Wukong ordered. Then, they were to tell every monkey in the caves to gather very small rocks that had been left behind after the destruction of their home all those years ago and pile them in the middle of the field. It wasn't long until the horns blew. Monkeys stood alone. The thousand monkeys that remained standing behind him, trusting him, but ready to run to the caves if they needed to. Monkey saw the men on horses arrayed on the hill above. The arrows and the hawks and the hounds. He turned back to the little monkeys and smiled. Watch this. The horses charged, but Monkey stepped behind the pile of pebbles. He uttered a simple spell, and his breath became an otherworldly wind. The stones flew and tore through the hunters. When Monkey finally inhaled, the host had been nearly annihilated. Only the ones in the back, or those who had inadvertently used their horses for cover, remained. The little monkeys rushed forward to do their part, and soon... The hunters that had plagued the island during the monkeys' imprisonment were gone, and the monkeys had an Ewok-style celebration with coconut wine. As Monkey looked out on his kingdom, he realized that Xuanzang was right. Xuanzang had a saying, do good for a thousand days, and that good is still insufficient. Do evil for one day, and that evil is already excessive. Monkey put his hairy hands on his hips, definitely understanding the true meaning of that. Just that little bit of evil had solved the problem 
while the months and months of good he had done on the road had gotten him nowhere. He had learned so much. All right, as the ranking member of the security detail, we have one goal. One goal. Get the scripture pilgrim here to the thunderclap temple in the west. Pigsy paced back and forth before the group. And to do that, we need to what? Keep him safe, Sandy said, annoyed at the half-hour-long meeting that could have been an email. That's right. And to keep him safe, we need to keep him what? Pigsy, again, looked out at the audience. Sandy, you're gonna need to do all the audience participation parts. The other guy's a horse. Pigsy directed his underling. Sandy looked to the dragon in the form of a horse who wasn't about to make eye contact with any of them. Keep him alive, keep him fed, Sandy groaned. Look, we're all hungry. Can't you just command us to go out and look for food? Pigsy glowered. Who's leading this meeting here? Now, they were all gonna go out and look for food. Rice, tubers, people. Oh, sorry, not people. Hard habit to break. Everything but people and animals. Even fish? Even fish. All right. Sandy travels upriver looking for homes from which to seek food. Pigsy would hit the forest, and the horse would hit the fields and graze because he was basically useless. The horse turned to Pigsy and glared. Oh, what? Got something to say now? No? That's what I thought, Pigsy said. General Pigsy turned back to the group. Above all, and this was the most important thing, we keep the monk safe. Now go. Go and do your duty so we can get this mismanaged journey to the west back on track, Pigsy yelled. When the dust cleared, Xuanzang, the monk, was alone by the fire. Guys? Bodyguards? Xuanzang said, looking left and right. He rolled his eyes. Whatever. You know, he could be useful, and everyone needed to pull their weight after he banished Monkey. He would go find food, too. Two hours later, he was being dragged into a pagoda, bound and screaming, to be delivered to a monster for dinner. You see, the monk saw a pagoda on a hill, and instead of waiting for his super-strong pig or shape-shifting sand monster to return, thought that he could go check it out himself. He passed the fields filled with death and decay, walked up to the palace that was about 80% foreboding, 15% turn back now, and 5% seriously, you're actually doing this. He, for some reason, had to wait until he saw the sleeping demonic monster in the main room before realizing he made a horrible mistake. But by then, his legs were jelly and his voice was screamy. The little monsters, as they're called, jumped on him, bound him, and dragged him inside. He tried to explain to the monster that he had been ordained to travel to the west. But the monster, ever the clever word talker, said that Xuanzang was ordained to be his food and travel to... His stomach. He smiled. He was a funny guy. The monster demanded to know who Xuanzang was traveling with, because capturing him was way too easy for him to have made it all the way from the Tang Empire to here. And I've had harder times with folding chairs than the monster had with Xuanzang, who immediately gave up everything about their journey. The monster, who was not as impulsive as you would think a demon monster would be, ordered the monk to be locked up. No sense in having one dinner when you could have three. His bodyguards would be by to find him. And when they arrived, he would eat them too. They were obviously pretty terrible, so it should be easy. 
Oh, shoot. He's probably up in that monastery on that hill. Pigsy pointed to the palace. <laughs> you know him and his prayers and chanting and junk. Can't get enough of him. He's there. No worries, Pigsy chuckled. Who's worried? Sandy shook his head. It's not like I lost him on my first day and then went to take a nap. Hey, I took a nap and then lost him. There's a difference. Let's go, Pigsy said. But Sandy put his sand hand on the pigman. Uh, that's not a monastery. Can't Pigsy see past the illusion? It's a cave. Pigsy said yes, he could. Uh, but just so he could be sure that Sandy could see past the illusion, could Sandy describe it in exhaustive detail? Sandy said that it was a cave with a heavy wooden door. Also, he sniffed the air. Ooh, human buns were baking. They smelled amazing. Like, abandoning your redemption quest amazing. Pigsy said, human buns? Like, like butts? Sandy said, ew, no, gross. These are, according to the story, buns baked from humans. Pigsy said, oh, that, that made sense. He just ate his humans raw. Uh, you know, when he used to do that. All right, they should go get their master back. We'll see the epic battle before the epic battle, but that, once again, will be right after this. From his cell, Xuanzang heard a pounding at the door and a yell. Something about opening the house or Pigsy was going to open it for him by breaking it. When the battle between the demon monster and Pigsy and Sandy commenced outside, with mountains cracking and cliff sides collapsing, Xuanzang sat back. Well, it looked like he wasn't fated to die today. Time to just wait for them to win or, if they couldn't, wait for heaven to send another literal deus ex machina. Pretty standard by this point. Then, he heard the dull sound of a metal rod hitting flesh and bone, and another sound of a body hitting the ground like a bag of rice. Xuanzang looked to the source of the sound. It was his guard, who was now unconscious on the ground, and the woman, whose candelabra clanged on the stone. She found the keys on the guard and unlocked the iron door. She pressed a letter in Xuanzang's hand. He was escaping, now. Xuanzang tried to ask who she was, why she was doing this, and if he could just, like, stay sitting in his cage. He was super hungry, and his bodyguards had this in hand. Probably. The woman wouldn't listen. She said it had to go like this. She needed to get a message out to her father, the king, while her husband was fighting. Xuanzang arched his eyebrows. Husband? She was a princess? He's a demon monster? Wow, he married up. Yeah, not hard to do when you don't care about things like consent the princess commented. Oh, it's like that. Sorry, Xuanzang said. She said she didn't need his pity, only his help. She cleared the way out the back door. Down this road about a week is her father's kingdom. She had been abducted 13 years ago and married to the monster. They had to know that she was alive. He shouldn't worry. His companions would be on their way. She pushed Xuanzang out the door and then rushed, herself, to the battle out front. The monster made a T-symbol with his two hands when his wife appeared. Guys, guys, time out. 
Pigsy and Sandy stopped fighting and just stood there, uh, okay. Babe, I'm working, what's up? The monster said, turning to his not-at-all consensual wife. She said she knew, but this would only take a moment. She had a dream. Sandy and Pigsy nodded. If the monster was cool with it, they were going to get some water. You know, hydrate up. The monster shrugged. Uh, sure, they'll all take five and then get back to it. The monster turned back to his wife. All right, uh, what's going on? She explained the dream. You see, when she was a child, she made a vow to a golden armored deity that, if she found a good husband, she would go up to a famous mountain, visit the immortal abodes, and feed the monks. She never mentioned this until now because she was just so happy in their marriage. But just now, when she was napping in the middle of the day, a golden armored deity came to her in her dream and told her to let this monk go. So she was asking her husband to let this monk go. The monster looked over his own wounds. Yeah, this was now kind of more trouble than it was worth. And honestly, he could just get humans wherever. He's a demonic monster. It's not difficult. He yelled out to the pig and the sandman by the river. Hey, if you let their guy go, were, were they good? Pigsy and Sandy looked to one another and nodded. Yeah, of course. They only wanted Xuanzang. The monster nodded. Cool, cool. He'd be out. Actually, he already left out the back door, the princess said. She said she knew her husband was such a cool and reasonable guy that he'd be fine with it. The monster chuckled. Hey, yeah, he wished that she would have talked to him about this, but yeah, he's, he's cool. He's reasonable. He turned back to Sandy and Pigsy. If they wanted to go around back and find their master, they could. He's already on the road. Oh, and if they ever returned to his territory, he would kill them both without hesitation. Pigsy and Sandy both said they understood. They were both former monsters themselves. It would be kind of weird if he didn't. So you're saying my daughter has been married to a monster for the last 13 years, and she's alive, and in her 30s, the king said, rocking back in his chair. About a week later. Wow. And to think, they had so many people executed for losing track of her. So many eunuchs, ladies-in-waiting, servants, all came to death in the street. Oh, egg on his face. The king popped open the letter. Wow, a complete layout of the monster's lair. They had the element of surprise, tactical advantage. They were going to get the princess back. The king stood, pumping his fist into the air. Who is with me? Nothing. Guys? Generals? Warriors? Nobody? Really? He's an immortal cannibalistic monster? The men replied. The others nodded. The king sat back, stroking his beard. Yeah, that was a bit of an issue. He turned to Xuanzang. You, do you have super monk powers? Xuanzang shook his head. Sorry, he didn't do combat. Uh, those guys did, though. He pointed out the window to Pigsy, the giant pigman, and Sandy, the 12-foot-tall, indigo-faced sandman, who were having words with the bouncer, who wouldn't let them into the palace, on the account of them being monsters. The king grinned. His daughter was as good as home.
Why did you volunteer for this? Sandy asked Pigsy as they were back on the road. Just the two of them to confront the monster. We barely came to a draw last time. Uh, why'd you volunteer for this? Pigsy retorted. Because we barely came to a draw last time and you alone would die, Sandy replied. I volunteered because that's what heroes do, Pigsy said, clenching his hoof and staring off into the distance. But we're not heroes. We have been sent for one job, to escort the scripture pilgrim to the Thunderclap Temple. Monkey never got caught up trying to prove himself with stuff like this, Sandy said. Don't you ever say his name, Pigsy spat. Pigsy was the leader now. New tone, new goals, whole new thing. They looked up to the heavy door that hid the cave. Ah, here they were. Pigsy took out his rake and pounded on the door, saying that they were back for the princess. As they heard the rumble of the monster's footsteps inside, Pigsy uh, shook his shoulders, feeling things out. Hey, did, uh, did things feel different this time? Sandy thought about it. Yeah, he didn't feel as strong. Which is weird, because last time we were literally starving, Pigsy said, and then paused. Hey. Sandy didn't think that because they were no longer trying to rescue Xuanzong, that the powers of the heavens, who aided them in their last battle, were now back at the palace with the master. Did he? Sandy said that that's awful specific, but he didn't have time to entertain that thought now. He had to get in the right headspace for this battle. Oh, here he is. The door swung open, and the monster roared. A sword took the form from the sand in Sandy's hand. They were here to rescue the princess. The monster paused and cocked his head. They? Sandy looked to his left, and there was no one. Pigsy was gone. I'll remember you! I'll tell your story! He heard from the forest, right before the monster attacked. There was commotion in the courtyard. The man outside? He said he wanted to meet with his father-in-law, the king. He pushed his way through, and the king winced as the person walked through the door. A person, not a monster. A tall man with flowing hair, strong shoulders, and eyes that you could just get lost in. The king did for a little bit, until he snapped out of it. He? This? Was his daughter's husband? But but the king had heard he was... A monster? The man asked. Now, who told the king that? The king pointed to Xuanzang, wide-eyed, who was pausing course five of question mark of his vegetarian feast to try to figure out what was happening. The man took a seat and a plate of his own. He wanted to tell the king a story. Thirteen years ago, he met a beautiful young woman running for her life from a tiger he, bravely, took a spear and went after the beast, catching it in the shoulder and incapacitating it. The woman rushed to him. <laughs> he didn't blame her, look at this jawline. But, to his surprise, she didn't immediately comment on his extreme attractiveness. She wanted to save the tiger. She said that they had been brought together because of it. It deserved another chance. The king smiled, that was his daughter. So, 
The man continued. He gave the tiger another chance, but he heard troubling stories. Over the past few years, it had been backsliding. It returned to its old ways. And this time, he turned to look at Xuanzang, it had been impersonating a monk, luring people into a false sense of security, then eating them. The king gasped and turned to Xuanzang in horror. Xuanzang said, wait, wait, what, me? You think I'm a tiger? Come on, you, you don't believe him. I know a bit of magic, the son-in-law said and pointed to Xuanzang. Immediately, the room filled with screams and Xuanzang found himself surrounded by something. He could move right through the outer bounds and when he did and could see the room, he noticed two things. He was inside the illusion of a giant tiger demon and he himself was invisible. The son-in-law, a.k.a. the monster, took charge. Quick, everyone, grab your weapons. We're not safe until his head is mounted on my wall. I say we kill the beast. He smiled. He did to Gaston, because he's like Gaston. Xuanzang had just enough time to shirk back in terror as people rushed him with weapons from all over the room. Sun Wukong is in semi-retirement. Sandy is, best case scenario, incapacitated. Pigsy is fleeing into the forest in terror. And the defenseless monk, Xuanzang, is about to be attacked by an entire room. Things are not going well. We'll finish up this leg of our journey next week. If you'd like to support the show, for less than the price of a pen plant, a secret silicone succulent, whose leaves are solely pens, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of the show won't make it look like a pen lost its leaves all over your house when you inevitably forget to put your pens back. Check out mythpodcast.com slash membership for more info on the membership. The creatures this time are the devilfish from the stories of the Haida people in the Pacific Northwest of North America. The devilfish are not really fish and not really devils. They can breathe underwater and swim very fast, and in some versions take the form of an octopus, which is how they get the fish name. They get the devil part, either because they pull humans down to a watery grave, or because they're ruthless, amoral business fish. Like how if someone controls the spice, they control the universe, the devil fish control access to the sea and everything in it. So for the humans that live on the coast, whose lives depend on the bounty of the sea, the devilfish make sure they get theirs before any of the humans get what they need to live. If you want to get what your family needs to survive, you have to pay up in the form of feathers, grease, or tobacco, or risk getting pulled under and sleeping with those fish you love so much. Or the devilfishes. You see, one famous story involves a shaman being snatched from the ocean shore. His family mourned him when he woke up in the sea and really hit it off with the fish monster who kidnapped him, and the shaman elected to stay under the sea with her. Eventually, though, he wanted to return to his home above the waves, and the devilfish actually agreed to let him, but she wanted to come with. She did, and in a rare instance of a devilfish coming onto land, she was accepted by his family. But she began to miss her own home, and offered the shaman a choice. He could remain with his human family or come with her. He took her hands, or 
tentacles, I guess, because devilfish are octopuses in most versions, and said that he was coming with her. He said goodbye to his family, transformed into a devilfish himself, and was never seen again. This sweet story is contrasted with an Alaskan story from the book Devilfish Bay, drawn from Clinkett oral tradition, where it states that a giant devilfish pulled a village into the sea, leading two brothers on a quest to destroy the monster. I haven't read the book, but apparently it's good. I linked it in the show notes. So yeah, if you come across a devilfish, they're going to squeeze you in some way. Either they'll squeeze you for your grease and tobacco so your family can eat, give you a hug because you're now in love, or crush your whole village, leading you on an epic quest for vengeance. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>